Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the wake-up call coach. Hi, mamas. It's Amy here. Before we dive into the Mama Truth Show, I have a question for you. Do you want to join me and a soulful, small circle of mamas in Hawaii this summer? Oh, yeah. We're going to swim with wild dolphins. We're going to dance hula. We're going to do some sacred ceremony and rituals, and we're going to sit in circle together and drop the masks and drop the juggling act and simply be present and share the truth about our lives, about being women, and about being mamas, it is going to be absolutely magical. To check out all the divine details, simply go to mamatruthretreat.com. That's mamatruthretreat.com so that you can really, truly take a break from all of that juggling, all of that being pulled in a gazillion different directions that I know so many of us mamas go into. So check it out at mamatruthretreat.com, fill out an application, and we will talk about this luxurious divine retreat. Now, on with the show. Hello, mamas, and happy Mama Truth Monday. It's Amy Ehlers here, the Wake Up Call Coach, and I am so excited today to be talking about a topic that I know is on your mind. <laughs> it's on your mind. It's in your heart. It's in your soul. I have to tell you, you know, I did a survey a couple months ago to um, moms in my community and on my Facebook community and all of that good stuff. And this topic, the topic of never feeling like you have enough time was the number one challenge that all of you reported to me <laughs> um, as, as being a mom. Like the number one thing that was keeping you up at night about being a mom was that feeling of feeling like you're a juggler, like you don't have enough time, like everybody's always pulling on you for something. And so I thought, you know, we got to dedicate a whole Mama Truth show to that exact topic. And I knew just the woman to bring on for this because she has an incredible book called There's Not Enough Time and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves. And that's the fabulous Jill Farmer. She, um, Her incredible book, by the way, I highly recommend picking up a copy, grabbing a couple copies for your mom friends as well because it debuted as a bestseller in the time and management category on Amazon. And it is chock full of very tangible things you can do to really start um, debunking that myth and that big fat lie about the struggle with time. Just to let you know a little bit more about Jill, in 2015, the Washington Post named Jill to its 21-day time hacker team as one of the top time experts in the country. All right. And she also travels the U.S. delivering keynotes and teaching her acclaimed program. In addition to being a master certified coach, Jill is a wife and a mother of two teens, and for more than a decade, she was an Emmy Award-winning consumer reporter and television anchor in St. Louis. And Jill is also the unsuccessful herder of two of the worst-behaved dogs in the universe. So <laughs> welcome, Jill. Welcome to the Mama Truth Show. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, it's such an honor to be here because I love this show, and mm -hmm. I get so much um, great ideas and truth and um just information that helps me not only be a better mom, but just a better human being. So mm -hmm. I'm 
grateful for it and grateful to have some time to to play with you today about time. Thank you. And, you know, speaking of time, I wanted to make sure to take a moment here to just tell all of you mamas that I hope you had a beautiful Mother's Day yesterday. I know that, um, you know, I hope that you got some time for yourself and then some of that really quality time with your kids, no matter how old they are, because I know it's such a special day to celebrate all of you. So I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that since we're pre-recording this, and it's, but it will be on our minds and hearts when this show airs. So Jill, what I'm curious with regards to the time, I mean, because I know you're, a, you know, you have this huge career, you're an author, you're a coach, and you also have um, two daughters, right? They're both girls. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. And so I and I know for me being a you know working mom with kids and all of that stuff that it is it feels very real that we just do not have enough time. And so what is your perspective kind of your context that you like to bring people into when you talk about the concept of time? Well, from I'm somebody who you know, people say, oh, well, you're the time management expert. You know so much about time. Well, anybody who's known me for, you know, any of the past several decades of my life that thinks it's kind of laughable that, that, that I get that title as time management expert because I'm not somebody who extreme organization or, you know, time management came naturally at all. I was one mm. of those people that always got stuff done, but it was in this kind of state of mild panic and frenzy and trying to stay on top of everything. And um, I really believed for most of my life that if I could just change this circumstance in my life, then I would win the windfall or jackpot of more time. And finally, mm -hmm. I could be the human being and mother and wife and citizen of the world that I wanted to be. And um, and I was a working mom with two little girls at that time as when I was had my career in TV news. And I really believed that if I could just... You know, I, I was, it was too much to be working and having these kids in our life. And so I made the decision to stay home and to leave my job so I could finally have enough time to, to you know, be the wife and mom and, and human being I wanted to be. And six months after I made that decision, I was as frenzied and overwhelmed <laughs> stressed out as I've right? ever been. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of my awakening place of what if? It wasn't the circumstances of my life that were creating this sense of perpetual frenzy and overwhelm. What if something that was happening inside my head was contributing to this and to my kind of perpetual suffering when it came to time? And that led me on this kind of long and windy journey um, uh, to our mutual friend, Martha Beck. Um, mm. And uh, she started introducing me to these ideas like, you know, sometimes it's not our circumstances, but it's our thinking about our circumstances that create um, frustration and stress and overwhelm in our lives. And <clears throat> when we are in the midst of those stressful circumstances that are happening in life that are pl a plenty, when we have kids, whether we're working moms, stay-at-home moms, we have little kids, we have big kids, um, what are the ways that we can um, let our brains and our um, and our bodies and um, our emotions work for us instead of constantly being in battle with those. And that exploration of that combined with, you know, with those good old fashioned journalistic <laughs> um, mm -hmm. intense curiosity that I seem to have been born with led me on this journey to begin to study how does our brain work when it comes to time and overwhelm and why do we tend to feel this perpetual stress and panic and overwhelm um, 
you know, before kids, during kids, after kids, whether we're working, whether we're staying home, what's, what's the default there and how do we potentially change the patterns to make us, um, let us experience more peace and meaning in this one life we've been given to live? I love that. I love that. And I just want to highlight what you said. You know, it's, it, it really is that, you know, our perspective about time where is where is where all of our power lies right because it's like if we i i just love that i love that you were like okay i'm gonna be a stay-at-home mom and then i will have plenty of time and i'll just luxuriate and bathe and all this time and you're like wait a minute this is wait the only common denominator in this equation is me so there has to be something that's going on about my relationship to time and i can feel like the mom's nodding their heads like, yes, I totally, I, I get that. And, and I love that you bring in the brain science piece because it really is, you know, we can get triggered about, I know for me, it's like I get triggered like when Annabella, my oldest is like, oh, there's this assembly today or what have you. And I'm like, oh, like I panic as if my life is being threatened because I don't have it on the calendar and I didn't put it in. And then I have an interview or whatever's going on. And it's like our brains get sent into this crazy neural pathway explosion as if our life is over or dependent on it when in reality it's just like oh there's an assembly and i might not be able to make it today yeah exactly and i know you got you've talked to you with a number of your experts and in your own expertise of sharing things about that you know fight flight response the fight mm -hmm. or flight or freeze response and we're so used to culturally, I mean, back from the time we were taking our, you know, our, our timed multiplication tests in third grade or whatever, where it's like trying to motivate ourselves into making decisions and launching action by saying, hey, you're running out of time. Hurry up. There's not enough time. And the problem with that is any thought that our little old brain has that tells us we're short on something or that we're threatened by something, right? So when we're saying there's not enough time, we're saying we're short on time. And that triggers that fight or flight response, which allows us to react, not respond. It allows us to, to use our most primitive part of our brain, the part that's really crappy at problem solving and really good at just making decisions with the most minimal part of our you know, thinking and, and cognitive ability. And so we tend to make a lot of mistakes. We tend to act out of our values. We get snappy and we get frustrated. And, we, um, and so then we end up in situations that we're those decisions cost us more time and it becomes this cycle there's not enough time which makes us feel stressed out so then we you know we we miss the exit on the highway or uh, one of my favorite stories is one of my clients and i share with full permission who's a car who's a you know renowned world cardiologist uh working mom who was all stressed out about a grant presentation and kept just trying to get herself going by saying you, you gotta hurry up you don't have enough time to the point where she had this headache, you know, this cacophony of all these not enough time thoughts pounding in her head gave her a headache and she ran in to take some Advil before she headed for this huge presentation, gets behind the wheel of her minivan, realizes she feels weird and goes into the bathroom and realizes she's taken extra strength NyQuil, not extra strength Advil for her. Oh no. <laughs> like this is, a, this is a like, you know, doctor who knows the difference, right? But that's the kind of stuff that happens that when we're in that fight or flight response, the yelling and snapping at the kids, the, you know, 
telling ourselves we're the only people alive that can do this instead of seeing opportunities to collaborate. Um, being unable to see boundaries that are clear and that would make the situation better and, and, and instead just kind of jumping into action. So when we can begin to be aware of how destructive trying to motivate ourselves into decision-making or action is by just saying hurry up or there's not enough time, it can help us kind of short circuit that action reaction, that reaction and action brain cycle that happens and help us come into that place where we're more likely to make decisions and take action that feel good and that supports ourselves and our families um, in, a, in a more positive, meaningful way. I love it. And um, I would just have all of you that are listening right now just kind of go into an inquiry for a moment around what is your relationship with time and how often are you telling yourself the story, and I would say this is probably your inner mean girl, by the way, right, that she's perpetuating this story of you don't have enough time, you better hurry, 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 hurry up, hurry up, let's go, let's go, let's go, everybody, let's go. You know, I think of myself in the morning trying to get out the door with the baby and the big girl and the dog and walk down to school, and it's like I can just feel myself as you're saying this, going into that cycle of, okay, we got to hurry up. Like, Annabella, let's go. Come on, get your lunch. You know, and that frenzied state that we go in. And so really looking at what is your current relationship with time and what's the story that you're telling yourself around it. And then once we're telling ourselves that story, then of course we start collecting evidence that that's the truth. And so in your work, Jill, that you do, you know, let's say that, and I'm sure there's a lot of moms listening right now where they can like get behind, like, yeah, I am telling myself that story. What's the story (laughs) that you recommend the perspective that you have your clients and help your clients hold about time to break out of that so we can go into those smarter parts of our brains and make decisions that are not in that frenzied flight or flight state? This one of the simplest methods. <clears throat> I, I usually recommend three very simple steps, and the first one is really effective, and it's so simple. A lot of us kind of tend to doubt it and be like, "That can't work," but it's simply to notice. I notice I'm having the "there's not enough time" thought again, and that's you know based in a lot of research. If you read any of the work um, uh, around acceptance and commitment therapy, a lot of it is just noticing those inner mean girl thoughts. And in the act of noticing, if I had you hooked up to functional MRI technology, you know, the stuff that allows us to see what's going on in your brain while you're actually thinking, it's so much more effective than the old method of lobotomization. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of just having your amygdala or that tiny little part of your brain that only sends you those danger alert signals, instead of just having that part light up, your whole neocortex, your whole brain, the part that can problem solve instead of problem stall the part of your brain that can collaborate instead of separate or isolate. Just in the act of saying, I notice I'm having that thought, you take yourself out of that, what some scientists call cranial abduction, where you're just in that panic mode. And it allows you to, to just for a microsecond, pause enough to broaden your vista of possibilities. What are my choices here? What's, what's going to feel better? Is me perpetuating the stress going to make my kids slow down and freeze or can I be more playful? Can I, you know, can I be more directive? What, what needs to happen here that is going to help 
us merge together instead of battle each other in this situation. So that's step number one is just notice. And it's this simple. I notice I'm having the there's not enough time thought again. Have you ever tried that? And do you believe that that's potentially useful in your experience? Absolutely. I mean, I think that for me, that's why, you know, in the wake up call three step process, the first is to just kind of let your inner mean girl rant so that you can actually notice that she's going off, that she is the one that's in the control tower of your mind, body and heart. And she's the one that's filling you with that stress. And so often we want to step over that part, but the awareness piece is huge and is, is life-changing because, you know, it's like that old adage, you know, don't believe everything you think. And, and it's like, but we do believe what we think unless we take the moment to become aware, oh, I'm having that thought. Oh, I'm telling myself that story. Oh, my inner mean girl is, you know, telling me these things again. That is where you can change everything. And it is incredibly empowering. I mean, this is why meditation is so powerful too, because you start to really understand, oh, my thoughts are just like clouds. They kind of come and go and that's it. Like, like I, I put a lot of weight on them. I put a lot of meaning behind them. But really, I could also say, oh, there's plenty of time. Or, yeah. okay, so we're going to be late. So what? It's like, you know, it's like such a, such a release. So yeah, I think awareness is a huge key, whether it's about there's not enough time or any other thought that we might be having that's not serving us. Right. And so because we treat time or not having enough time as, uh, you know, as fact, not as a thought. And when we really realize that, you know, time is, is fixed, there's, you know, 24 hours in the day. And so every time we're saying they're not enough of it, there's not enough of it. We're really arguing with reality, which, you, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know is a pretty futile <laughs> um, way of being. And so and what you said leads perfectly to the second step, which is you, you notice the thought. Sometimes that's just enough. Oh, yeah, I notice I'm having that thought. I mean, I had a, a mom tell me not too long ago who had heard me in a, a radio interview and said, you know, when I woke up in the morning and was immediately triggered by the thought of all I had to do and that I didn't have enough time to do it. I paused for just a second and said, I notice I'm having that thought. And I instantly felt calmer. And all of a sudden, my priorities got clear. Because that's one of the other nasty, dirty little secrets about the fight or flight reaction. Even though sometimes we get into motion with it, so we get fooled into believing it's a good way to get going, it, it um, dissolves our ability to discern. So I always say it's like being in a nightmare game of dodgeball and you don't know whether somebody's throwing foam bricks or real bricks at you because when you're in fight or flight, every single thing looks like a threat. So you're like, ah, I, you know, I need to take care of my sick kid and I got to get a haircut. And it's like, well, wait, those aren't really equal priorities. <laughs> but <laughs> right. when fight or flight mode, they start to feel like it. So step number two is to consider replacing that lack-based thought or the thought that's triggering that panic and stress and causing you to make mistakes that cost enormous amounts of time or cause you to show up in the world in the way that makes you feel, you know, crappy about yourself, um, is to replace it with a thought that's likely to serve you better. And, and, um, one of, you know, to cut right to the chase for the level 500 <laughs> course on this for the mommies, it's simply to say, oh, there is enough time. And I know sometimes it can feel hard to, to believe that and you want to pull out your calendar or, you know, provide all this evidence for why there is actually, um, you know, not enough time. But the, the thing is, again, we've got that 24 hours 
in our day. And when we recognize, yeah, we all have that same amount. And when I argue with reality, it throws me off kilter in, in a way. So when I can allow myself to believe that, even for a second, notice what happens to my heart rate. Notice what happens to my vision. Notice what happens to my thinking. It can really help um, steer us back into a more calm, clear, connected state where we're likely to make decisions and take actions that are efficient, productive, clear, and more lined up with who we really want to be in the world. One of the other kind of affirmations or stories um, that I love, um, I have a friend whose mom used to use this all the time, which is time is my friend, time is on my side. And like really almost befriending time and being able to go to that space. Well, there's plenty of it and, and it's my friend. And I'm, I'm going to end up having plenty of time for the things that I, that I need to get done and really getting that there's a way in which, you know, it's, it's like that, that Einstein quote about, you, you know, is the universe a friendly place? Like, do you believe it's a friendly place or not? I completely butchered that, but you know what I'm talking about? Like that whole concept. And it's like, well, what if time was your friend? Exactly. And we have this, you know, kind of cultural paradigm of battling time right. against the clock. And that's just, I mean, I'm not going to tell everybody, don't do that anymore, but just know that you're triggering your fight or flight response and you're expecting yourself to um, function with a very limited primal part of your brain when you're trying to, um, you know, make decisions and be efficient and productive by battling the clock versus, um, you know, befriending it and connecting and accepting um, what's there and then making those brave priority choices um, from that adult mind that you have by the time you're a mama, um, as opposed to just reacting in that more, you know, um, victim-y kind of frantic pace. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then of course it brings up, and I know this is one of the things that you talk about in your book is then there's that to-do list that, you know, I always say that uh, what I one of the many things I've learned since becoming a mom is how to be with the to-do list that is never complete. Because before I was a mom, I feel like I completed my to-do list a lot, Jill. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna work until it's done. And then I'm and then I'm done. And then the, you know, there was no other person's schedule to deal with. So it's like really being able to just be with in a way that is positive, in a way that's not stressful with the fact that that, that, the, that there are items on the to-do list that are just not complete, that are just not done. Yeah. I, yeah. I really invite people to just to, to be a lot, a lot of women particularly use their um, to-do lists as weapons of self-abuse. Yes, <laughs> so totally. They vomit <laughs> up every single item that we should, you know, we should all over ourselves and with our to-do lists be doing in order to be, you know, a good enough mom, um, partner, whatever. And so when, um, you know, I noticed that trend when I first started working with both with my male and female clients, to-do lists weren't such a big issue with my male clients because they tended to just be like, well, what's my, what do I have on my, my available time today? Okay. I'll make a list of things that I know I can get done in that day and then be done. And women tend to have this like as dissertation, um, every <laughs> single item that they, sh you know, again, should be doing in order to get done. And it's, 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 it's inefficient, it's ineffective. And we use it then at the end of every day as black and white proof to show us how inadequate we are. Totally. So 
to be kinder with yourself and to use your to-do list for today and say, what are my priorities? What are the three to five things today that are meaningful and connecting? And the other stuff on the list, I'm going to put on future dates in the calendar. I'm going to put, I'm going to file it so I don't lose it and just, you know, try to keep it all straight in my brain because that's exhausting in a different form. I'm going to write it all down on that first list initially, but then I'm going to process it and just give myself a daily to-do list based on my available time so that I can have a sense of accomplishment, purpose, and prioritization, getting the important stuff done, but without this sense that I'm never, ever going to get it all done. Right. And then just reevaluate as I go along. And that's, that's really effective and freeing for people because we get tired of feeling all the time like we're inadequate and we're never going to get it done. Right. And so we need to... We need to change the way we've done that in a way that allows us to be successful and accomplished and done so that yeah, we don't yeah. so we aren't up at nine thirty at night doing those last few things, exhausting ourselves, running around so that then we try to lay down to fall asleep at eleven and we're so wired that we can't sleep and then we start the next day feeling exhausted and behind. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, that big fat lie of like someday I'll finally get completely caught up. And it's like this is life. Like there's, it's, there is these cycles that we're going through. And so I love that of really getting clear on what's today's to-do list. That is a realistic expectation. And I'm, I'm curious about that because I know in my work with women and definitely for myself as well, I've found that we often have completely unrealistic expectation. It's like, oh, I have an hour free before I pick up the kids and then it's like the the amount that we put on that list that we think we should be able to get done in that 60 minute time period and then oh we forgot that we're going to have to go to the bathroom get our shoes on you know throw a baseball cap on in my case <laughs> maybe other women put lipstick on i don't know when i'm going to pick up my girls i'm like baseball cap yo but you know it's like what what about these unrealistic expectations we have on what we should be able to get done even if we are negotiating it down to that day yeah bingo and that and it's 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 getting kind of out of that panic mode and in that what you talk about all the time, you know, quiet, quieting down the mm -hmm. pace just enough to say, if I get one or two things done in this hour, what's going to feel good? And to recognize that things like pausing intentionally to drink a cup of tea or to, you know, uh, just relax for a second is actually fuel for your productivity. Um, it helps you to get clear. It helps you to come up with ideas, um, and it helps you to kind of sort things out for a minute. And when we're in that, just check off stuff frantically, like a ping pong, like a like a pinball bouncing around the the machine. We sometimes create more work for ourselves than we really need, and then we start whatever the next thing we're getting to in this more agitated, again, um, fight or flight kind of state. Where we're more likely to make a mistake or not show up. And that is the person that we really want to be to our kids or whoever else we're interacting with. Absolutely. Well, so, okay. So I know we're, I can't even believe it, but we're starting to run out of time, but time is our friend. So Jill, I'm wondering what, you know, if you were to give the moms listening, um, like an inspiring field trip. We always like to call it field trip at Intermingle Reform School because we know that we all loved going on field, field trips, but not necessarily homework. So what would be like that one thing that you would ask women to do? It could be something you've already said or something new to really help them get into that space of feeling like there's plenty of time and feeling like time is their friend. 
in, in addition to just kind of noticing when you're telling yourself there's not enough time stories and consider replacing there's not enough time with there is enough time or time is my friend. Yeah. I also would invite people to recognize that when you try to not launch yourself into action by telling yourself all the things you have to do, um, this is one of the most important things I ever learned from Martha Beck. That is, have to is a trigger word for our fight or flight response. And when mm -hmm. you can recognize that you get to do just about everything you're doing in your day except breathing, it, it, it um, activates the part of your brain that feels gratitude. Your brain cannot feel fear and gratitude at the same time. It's a much more energizing and enlivening place to make decisions and show up as a mom. And as moms, I, I know I fall into that pattern of just constantly saying, I have to do this, I have to do that, we have to do this. And I unexamined, it was a pretty destructive way of living my life. And when I can at least some of the time say, okay, what am I getting to do? Or what am I choosing to do? Um, it put me back into that position where I felt like I had some power and some choices and perspective. It's not going to be there all the time. Sometimes you just feel like you're having those days where you just got to do it. And that's life. And, I'm, and there's no criticism there. But if you can shift that out of the have to and into that choose to or get to space more often, you take your power back and you're likely to make better decisions and to just feel more energized and positive about this, um, this life that you have chosen as a mama and a and a woman um, changing the world as we all are in our own little ways and creating ripples out there to, to make it a better place. Yes, 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 yes. All right. So one of the questions um, that I ask all of my guests, Jill, as we wrap up here is what is messy and what is magical about motherhood for you these days? Uh, what is messy is sometimes looking back with regret that I didn't slow down a little bit more when my girls were younger as I just sent my oldest off to college and I'm watching my youngest get ready to get her driver's license. And what is magical is um, noticing that they still turned out to be <laughs> beautiful, amazing, interesting, um, uh, fascinating uh, uh, women in the world, even though I did, certainly didn't do everything perfectly. And um, they're not perfect, and we still love our lives together and continue to, to low and learn and grow with each other. And that's pretty amazing. Oh, that's delicious. All right, everyone. So just want to encourage you, check out Jill's book, There's Not Enough Time and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves. And you can visit her on her website at jillfarmer.com. That's jillfarmer.com. And at jillfarmer.com, there's all sorts of really cool resources um, on, on time, the blog. There's a way that you can get relief. There's all sorts of, of really, really cool things. So with that, I just want to say, again, I hope you all had a beautiful Mother's Day. And I'm sending you off with so much love. And make sure to tune in next week where this ties so perfectly and what we're going to be talking about is the universe a friendly place mama so tune in for that next week and in the meantime i'm sending you so much love keep keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood thank you so much jill for being with us today oh thanks for having me it was delightful bye-bye everyone Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share the Mama Truth show with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. And make sure to visit mamatruthcircle.com 
to become part of our free community of soulful mamas. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood. <laughs>